Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. As we mentioned before the break, obviously all eyes will be on President Joe Biden tonight as he delivers his first major address. Again, slightly different. Uh, you don't get a State of the Union until your second year in office. So this is a speech to a joint session of Congress. Uh, everything else is pretty much the same. Uh, so it will feel uh, a little different in that there will be a limited capacity in terms of the number of people in attendance. So that will impact that. Uh, but we want to focus on this segment on what happens after the president finishes his speech, after the applause. And there will be, of course, a response, a rebuttal. This year will be Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, he is the uh, only uh, black GOP senator in the United States Senate. He has been very active as it relates to bipartisan work on police reform and criminal justice reform. Uh, he's currently working uh, with Senator Cory Booker uh, out of New Jersey, uh, working on some of the bipartisan work in terms of getting some of that uh, policing, police reform uh, moving forward. Uh, so he has the what is often described as the unenviable task of responding to the president of the United States. And it, it's never easy. Uh, the history of those responding to the president uh, after an address uh, is mixed at best. Uh, most people can't even remember uh, a an actual response or rebuttal. But there's been some pretty uh, famous folks who have weighed in. Uh, on those uh, you had during the George W. Bush administration, uh, the uh, Democrats went in those years with some pretty big guns. Tom Daschle, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, uh, Tim Kaine uh, were all those who uh, gave responses to George W. Bush. During the uh, President Obama administration, Republicans uh, had some interesting swings. Paul Ryan gave one of those responses. Mitch Daniels from Indiana. Uh, of course, everybody remembers Marco Rubio and the uh, unfortunate uh, water or lack thereof moment that he had. Joni Ernst is still in the Senate. She was there. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley gave a response uh, to Barack Obama during that period. And uh, and then, of course, more recently, we, we have uh, during the Trump administration, uh, Joe Kennedy, which we'll, we'll hear a little clip from, uh, uh, Stacey Abrams uh, from Georgia really kind of catapulted her a little bit. So anyway, it's a little bit of a mix, mixed bag in terms of how people uh, do in those moments. 
Uh, I think one of the more clunky moments, and this was at a moment when Bobby uh, Jindal of uh, Louisiana was a rising star in the Republican Party. Many thought he had uh, great positioning for a presidential run. And uh, just take a listen uh, to his open. This is 2009, his rebuttal to President Barack Obama. Good evening and happy Mardi Gras. I'm Bobby Jindal, governor of Louisiana. Tonight, we witnessed a great moment in the history of our republic. In the very chamber where Congress once voted to abolish slavery, our first African-American president stepped forward to address the state of our union. With his speech tonight, the president completed a redemptive journey that took our nation from Independence Hall to Gettysburg to the lunch counter. All right, so that was Bobby Jindal. Uh, in that, uh, again, starting with Mardi Gras is always a, a questionable start for, for a response to a State of the Union address. Uh, many will remember uh, Joe Kennedy from 2018 uh, delivered the rebuttal to then-President Donald Trump's State of the Union. And uh, he had a, a few challenges. He had a little uh, chapstick incident. He had uh, over, he said he had over-aggressively applied his lip balm, uh, and some of it was kind of coming down the corner of his mouth. He sort of looked like a, a vampire with some things coming out. Uh, but he did deliver a uh, a very fiery uh, address. He did do it in front of an audience, which was also unique. Uh, here's Joe Kennedy from 2018. Many have spent the last year anxious, angry, afraid. We all feel the fractured fault lines across our country. We hear the voices of Americans who are forgotten and feel forsaken. We see an economy that makes stocks soar, investor portfolios bulge, and corporate profits climb, but fails to give workers their fair share of the reward. A government that struggles to keep itself open. Russia, knee-deep in our democracy. An all-out war on environmental protection. So it's Joe uh, Kennedy uh, response. Again, there was some great phrasing in there. Delivery was uh, a little sideways at times. Didn't quite seem to to match the message of the moment. Uh, so what does make a, a good response, a good rebuttal uh, after the president of the United States uh, has given an address to Congress? And it will be fascinating to see what Tim Scott does. Uh, Tim Scott uh, said that it will be a surprise. He has he has been very close to the vest in terms of what he intends to uh, speak about. He'll he'll speak for about 10 minutes, uh, will not have an audience, uh, again, which is always challenging. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that's interesting to me about Tim Scott, he is, he is a great speaker. He is a dynamic speaker uh, off the teleprompter. When he's uh, off the cuff or extemporaneous, uh, he's fascinating and uh, just compelling speaker. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in that space. Uh, he said his preparation uh, included the usual studying of you know what he thinks the president will likely say. He said he also spent some significant time uh, with his mother over the weekend and uh, that he will do what he always does before a big moment, and that is pray and uh, reflect a lot. And so it will be interesting to see where he goes with this. He has a very compelling story to tell. He's also uh, been part of a lot of great race conversations in our country. And just has this ability to be very disarming. And and so to me, the big question for Tim Scott will be, does he go at the president's big proposal? Again, there's enough of the uh, American Families Plan 
out there that he could really go after that in kind of a takedown kind of move? Uh, or will he go more aspirational? I think one of the things that we often miss in these rebuttals is a positive vision. It sort of becomes the anti-message or the grievance message that the party out of power uh, is going to whine and complain and obstruct and block uh, and file grievances as to what is happening or how it is taking place. I think that Tim Scott actually has the ability to transcend that. Uh, I also think that uh, President Biden will, again, probably deliver a shorter address uh, than is typical, uh, which I think would be very smart for him. I think he should get in. He should get right to it. He should give the American people something to do, to act on, to engage with, and and then sit down and and move forward. Uh, I think that's the, the key there. So uh, the partisanship will be interesting to watch tonight. Uh, again, I, I wish these speeches were... A little different, maybe a little more historic in terms of what they do. Sadly, we often end up coming out of these, whether it's the president's speech, presidents of either party, the rebuttals from either side of the aisle. We often fall to where we often fall in Congress. The the old saying, after all is said and done, more is said than done. Uh, But we have to get to the doing because we have a lot to do in this country. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. And when we come back... We're going to be joined by Representative Brian King, Democrat here in the state of Utah. Talk about what he's looking forward to, what he hopes to hear from President Biden in this first address. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.